Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway and you'll also receive free shipping. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal and you can help prevent new breakouts. Don't miss this limited time offer. We're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. Call 800-393-6272. That's 800-393-6272. Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLEE News Talk 990 or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues in marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live. Welcome to the studios of WLE News Talk 990 in beautiful downtown Richmond. What a great summer we've had, meaning we haven't had one, which is fine with me. This is Richmond Biz Live, your business information show dedicated to business owners and entrepreneurs looking for the payoff. Uh, Richmond, like most communities in the United States, has done an excellent job of creating services and projects and initiatives for startups but nobody out there and i mean nobody not in this town or any other town is doing a damn thing for the existing entrepreneur who's been slaving away for years trying to figure out how to get their investment out and perhaps even make some money so if that's you this is the time this is the place and if you're the person what you got to do the place to start is you got to call in you can join us in the show at any time at 844-249- Five four eight three. That's two four four eight four four. Excuse me, two four nine five four eight three. Or even easier, eight four four dot biz live. The other option is you can stream us live, and you can go to our website, Richmond Biz Live B I Z L I V E dot com. And you, if you click the Watch Us button, you can see Linda and Billy and I in the studio, or you can listen to us as an alternative to the um, to live broadcast. However you get there, you need to get there. And, of course, the website's got all our resources and all the information and everything you need. All 24 shows, this is show 25, all 24 shows from the last two seasons are there, and you can get on the information. Now, for new visitors and for everybody else, our format. Number one is that this is a Radio TED, and what that means is that if any of you have seen the TED seminars around the United States, You give a subject matter expert about 15 minutes to discuss a topic that is a standalone topic. Well, we do the same thing, only it is not audio. I mean video, it's audio. And we have subject matter experts, or better known as thought leaders, who are either internationally, nationally, or locally recognized, not only for their expertise in their areas of study, but the fact is that everybody in here is a business owner. And we basically use what we do on the show Um, in our businesses day to day or another way of looking at it is what we're learning is what we're talking about on the show number two is that all of these show uh, presentations all of the segments are standalone in other words you don't need to listen to anything else other than for exact uh, for example today linda heath of financial holographics is going to be first in the studio talking about contingency planning uh, from a financial aspect you don't need anything else other than that and maybe a download of the show however if you're list if you're ongoing listener and you string it together, she has given you over the last two seasons an excellent view of how to manage the finances of your company. And then finally, number three, all of this is based upon five key questions. 
Five key questions, meaning, and I don't think that this encompasses, I believe, everything that's related to your business. Here are the questions. One, are we on budget? In other words, we said we're going to make the money. Are we making the money? Do we have the cash on hand? What does cash flow look like, et cetera? Number two, are we on plan, which is a look at sales. Um, are we doing, are we converting the deals we're supposed to be converting? Are we moving clients through the funnel? Number three, are we on schedule? I don't care who we are. All of us produce something for somebody. Otherwise, they're not going to pay us. So are we on schedule for what we promise that we're either going to produce if you're in a product business or in a service, uh, the service that you deliver? Number four is, is the issue of cases of resolution. And what I mean by that is every, you know, we interface with customers. I guarantee you every week you got a number of customer issues. Maybe you can call them complaints. Maybe they're issues. But how are you resolving those? And are you resolving them in a way that the customer wins on the one hand? And on the other hand, you're not uh, basically bankrupting the company by giving away stuff. And then finally, the last one is, are we on our metrics? And our metrics are looking at the human performance within the organization and those things that are telling me that I'm getting the productivity for people that I need. And so... That's what this show is about. Today, we've got uh, Linda Heath in the studios, like I said, from Financial Holographics, going to be talking about contingency planning. Then we got Mike Carroll from Focus Business, part of the Sandler organization. Mike's going to be talking about um, uh, what, what we call that revisited compensation. We talked a little bit about sales comp. We're coming back hard to sales comp in this show. And then finally, I'm going to close it out, and I'm going to be talking about customer service and relying on some of my experiences uh and the design and development of the Raving Fans Package from the 1990s. And by the way, my name is Bill Eastman. I'm managing partner of the Growth Works and executive producer for the show. Uh, with that, I'd like to do a couple of shout outs. One is to our partners out in Kansas City, Rich Retzer, and to our partners out in, Can in Las Vegas and in Calgary, Kevin Granger. i also like to do a shout out um, to our partner on the panel who's been away for a while, Mr. Billy Flynn. Billy, how are you doing this morning? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. You know, it, uh, it was random, a little random that I was gone. One of those weeks I had planned for, the other two I had really not. So it happens. Life. Okay, well, you know, I was surprised <laughs> when I didn't see you last week. I was going, is there a message here? Well, while I was uh, going... We love Ryan. Ryan's a great guy, but yeah. where's Billy? Well, while I was going to Atlanta, while I was in Atlanta, I finally got a reply saying that I got a press pass for the Wizard World Richmond Comic Con, which was last weekend. So, yeah, sorry, but I had to go hang with uh, Jason David Frank and Bruce Campbell and people. Uh Oh, man. Well, I feel bad. No, I don't. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Billy. Okay. Let's, we got a rocking show here. And by the way, we've only got one show left in season two, and I'm going to address that at the close. So with that, Linda, welcome back in the studios. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Let give you a chance to to resummarize the audience for season two, which are the breakout companies, and just a, okay, a brief yeah. flavor of how you define them. Yeah, I know. I know. Sometimes I, I talk about this too much. Here is the deal: is that in all the research that we did in combination with the Kaufman Foundation out of uh, Kansas, out of Kansas City, Missouri, which is also part of some government programs going on, SBA, Bureau of Labor Statistics, etc is it identified in the research that there were basically three types of small businesses in the United States. There's the 80 percenters who are barely surviving. And season one, our theme was how to get them to break even. The, the season two was around the 15% of those companies who are doing okay, but asking, where are we going? What's the next move? And then which is the focus of season two? And that is exactly who we want to hit today. And season three will be, you're at the 5%, what do you do now? So, gotcha. season two, 15% looking to break through. 
And so planning, we've talked quite a bit about in all of the disciplines this season, and the having reasonable expectation that you can make those plans, that's really sort of a reward and a benefit for having gotten your business to stabilization and, and putting in a lot of best business practices. Um, but sometimes things happen and you have to adapt quickly. And Billy, you were a great segue into that by saying that things came up unexpectedly. So I have to tell you about this pastor I heard about. He was a young pastor. He was new to his congregation. He was actually in a new city. And um, an elderly member of his congregation passed, and he was asked to do the funeral, and it was going to be in the next city where the guy had grown up. So the day of the event, um, he was prepared. And I, 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 don't, I really didn't get clear whether it was a directions problem or a GPS problem. But he got lost en route, and he was a little late. And when he got there, he realized nobody was there. And he saw the truck. He saw the big hole in the ground. He saw two workers over there having lunch under a tree. Um, you know, the stone vault thing was in the ground. And he just felt, well, this guy deserves a send-off. So I'm just going to go ahead and deliver my eulogy anyway. So he stands at the head of the grave, and he gives his best 20-minute eulogy. And um, he feels kind of proud that he saw it through. As he's heading back to his car, he hears one of the workers say, I've been putting in septic systems for 30 years, and I have never seen anything like that. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> so I guess the septic system's going to work pretty well. Yeah, I guess it's going to be a very blessed septic system. The devil's going to stay out of my cesspool. Okay. So um, I, I thought it was interesting with all the different things we've talked about, and if we have time at the end, I want to hit on the budgeting and the cash flow forecasting, right. the KPIs, and just refresh some of the points, getting the right bank partner. But you must have had a reason why you put contingency planning especially for this group, where they're stabilized and they want to kind of break through to the next level. What was on your mind? And, and the reason for that is that typically when you get to this stage, you're going to have to take a little risk. Now, you know, if you look at it, and this is a topic that Mike and I got at a lot, is it's about market positioning and how much of the market do you have. So let's make an assumption that you've done a very good job. You've got the best customers in your targeted market, and you got the majority of their budget. There is no more money here. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You, well, you got to move an adjacent market because the rule is don't design new products until you can't sell what you have mm -hmm. or it's been made obsolete. So the smart mm -hmm. move, because it costs less money for a business, would be, okay, if, if your company, Financial Holographics, is the perfect customer for me, then are there any other companies that look like you that are in different markets that I should go after? Well, I've got to put together a contingency plan around what happens if I get them Mm -hmm. And what happens if I don't get them? So that I can kind of weigh the, the risks that are involved. Because all contingency planning really is about is looking at a couple of scenarios that are based upon some reality and then looking at the risk and the unintended adverse consequences right. of those decisions. Because sometimes the best decision has too much risk in it. You go, I'm going to go with B, even though it's not the best one, mm -hmm. because I'm not risking much. Maybe not the best outcome, but I'm not risking as much, which right. is true, the risk-reward principle. You know, I just got here. I'm making okay. money now. The last right. thing I want to do is get underwater again. Right, right, right. Okay, and that's that's a great lead-in to the subject. And, of course, all of this is how are you going to pay for this expansion or this new development or the things that take risk, and how can you mitigate the well, risk? Well, you've already told me how to do that. That's the, all that beautiful retained earnings we got because yeah, we're know. running the business right. Sustainable growth rate. Um, I <laughs> I wonder if they're listening. But the, I have to have an observation. I don't think that contingency planning is strictly a financial discipline. No. You know what it is? It takes some character and moral fiber. It really is a mental health issue. There are people who act like they're still four-year-olds. You know, the four-year-old mantra is, Mommy, I'd rather do it myself. 
And then there are people who act like they're still teenagers, and those are the ones who say it can't happen to me. And I see business owners running running rampant, as I would call it. Now, if there are any business owners out there uh, who, who are thinking about this topic in terms of where Linda's at, let me ask you a question. The last time you were doing well, did you make a decision to move into a market or offer a product that bombed and, and brought you back down into the 80%? And my guess is if you've been in business 10, 10 years, you not only have done it once, you've done it several times. <laughs> well, and it may not have bombed, but it just may have taken longer to take hold or it may have cost more. Or all the cash reserves hold. are gone, and That's now right. i got to go back to the basics. So I picked a few things. You had some thoughts about contingency planning, but I had some also. I, I have, hope I have a few surprises for you. Um, one is the idea of insurance. That is a big, broad topic, and it falls under a bigger concept of risk management. Hmm. And one of the things where I see people going astray is they don't really clearly understand what are the different kinds of insurance, what are the different um, potential bad events that I'm right. insuring against. So you'll see on a financial statement insurance, but they've lumped in what might be the property and casualty insurance from perhaps key man life insurance from some uh, from the the medical and health and workers comp insurance which is federally mandated and is part of payroll. Right. So I think it's important to understand um, what are the different kinds of risk you're mitigating. Are there insurance packages available, weighing the pros and cons, cost, and so forth. And um, the big question you ask yourself is, if this event were to happen, if I did not have outside insurance protection, could that event put me out of business? Right. And what is the probability of that event? And yeah, I don't know what everybody's risk threshold is different, but to me, mm -hmm. if we're above about a third, I'm paying attention. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And if you're not willing to buy insurance, if you're not willing to lay off that risk to someone else, then um, you're called self-insured. And that's just very, very risky unless you have a lot of cash stored right. in your business, which leads me to my next point, mm -hmm. which is operating liquidity. The and business for me, cash this is where I, my brain never gets out of this little right. puddle here. Right. Is what Puddle. Yeah, puddle. I because got that. I can't get liquidity. beyond it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't get beyond it because everything I think about is, well, what's the impact on our on our financial position right now. Well, let me, I want to give them a formula. This yeah. is, this, you know, it's, I know it's a bad thing to do math formulas over the no, radio, but, that, but right. this is one little test. This is a test that I use when I've underwritten companies where everything else looks good, but you just have that queasy feeling about the business. This is a litmus test. It's a two-step division problem. So first of all, you get your last financial statement. I don't care whether you're looking at annual or monthly or whatever, but you need your annual overhead expenses, not your mm -hmm. cost of goods sold and not the other, but your overhead. Divide that by 365. Got and it. And that will tell you how much your overhead costs you per day. Got it. To keep your doors open. Save that answer. Then look at the balance sheet for the same period. Okay. Find the number called cash. The good news is it's at the top of the balance sheet. Right. Hopefully there's something in the box. Yeah. There's ending cash from the last period. Take that ending cash number, divide it by the answer you got when you took your overhead, okay, converted yep. daily uh, overhead. Uh, and tracking. that will tell you how many days of overhead expenses you have yeah. on hand. Now, remember, the balance sheet is one point in time. But right. I've seen companies where I did that calculation, they have two days of operating cash on hand. You don't even have room to do a contingency planning. So that's just one litmus test. Got it. Are we cash flowing enough 
mm-hmm. we can cover our overhead, and now we need to think bigger. Okay, the next thing, and I thought this would be a surprise for you, but I firmly believe that having the right kinds of legal contracts and agreements in hand is a form of contingency planning because it it's a great way to set expectations. And so you've got it in all sorts of categories it, it, of the business. It's a different type of insurance policy. It is. It's it's kind of a, it's more of a preventative mm-hmm. as opposed to after something bad right. happens. I'm a big fan of preventative medicine. Um, but, you know, having non-disclosure, non-competes with key employees that are enforceable, uh, various HR practices uh, with your key customers, with key suppliers, for IT practices, and you ought to have an ongoing system to look at, review them periodically, and see if they've gotten out of date or you're not enforcing them or you're waiving some of your rights unknowingly. Business savings accounts um, is as you retain profits, set some of that money aside in an account where you have to make a conscious choice to spend it. That's a great way to have a contingency plan. Um, Short-term investments can be used, and the key is having no risk to your principal. Having excess availability on your line of credit, and we've talked oh, so much yeah, about yeah, banks, yeah, yeah. we're not going to dwell on that. Yeah, but, but that, if that's you're a running killer. up that's to the, the limit, to. that's right. If you if you run to your limit, then you may have a problem. And then as as the owner guarantor, um, having some personal cash set aside that your family's not going to use for a vacation, a new car, toys like the jet skis and so forth, that you could make a loan to your company if you needed to. Right. But, so, but can, at, at this point, I don't want to loan it any more money. I know. I know. Well, then you've got to build that those resources up in the company. And that means when you you just pay off your last dump truck, you don't go out and buy a new one because you don't have debt on it. You see, do I have additional useful life in that dump truck so that I can set those payments aside and accumulate what would be debt payments in a savings account? Okay. So um, I, I just think contingency planning is hugely important if you're a business owner with a mindset. You're not going to budget, which we've talked about. You're not going to use predictive accounting and metrics, which we've talked about. You're not going to hold your employees accountable for meeting their goals and <laughs> performing to standards. So basically, you're not going to do anything right. If you're not going to do what we've been preaching, <laughs> then you'd better have some contingency planning. And that's that's my takeaway on that, Bill. Okay, because my whole thing on contingency planning is that you'd be surprised how many of the what you believe to be unintended consequences you can spot. If you that's sit down right. and you think through it, and we've talked about some that's methodology right. doing that. And maybe uh, in season four, in mm-hmm. January, mm-hmm. we'll get into some of those tools. Maybe we'll make it a tools-oriented okay. uh, s- yeah, session. I'll take this tool from us and do this. But the issue with contingency planning is to be able to anticipate what may happen and look right. at the consequences to make sure that if it does happen, you're covered or you know it's coming. And this is one of the areas where I think paying for some professional assistance is really important because yeah. it's so hard to be an entrepreneur and you've gotten to this stabilization, you have to stay optimistic. You can't get up every day and do what you do without staying optimistic and believing it will work. But here's well, and, the, and delusional. Oh, delusional. Well, yeah, mental health. But but the other thing is it's very hard then to sit there and, and realistically or um, objectively say what could go wrong. It's very hard to do that while maintaining that optimism. And you really don't want to lose your optimistic bubble. So you almost need some yep. someone else who can say what could go wrong and help okay. you work through that. All right, Linda, how do people okay. get a hold of you? They get a hold of me through the, the show, the resources page, Linda Heath, Financial Holographics. We're on the web, financialholographics.com. And our number is 804-674-1800. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Bill. Uh, this is Richmond Biz Live. You can reach us at 844-249-5483. And we'll be back.
I'm Linda Heath, President of Financial Holographics and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Hi, Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, the three biggest sales mistakes you should never make. In this report, discover these unproductive sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now. And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live or richmondbizlive.com. If you go to the website, you can either, you can stream the show. You can pick it up there. And obviously, if you're listening to us, you're on WLEE News Talk 990. And in the studio for segment two is one of the major thought leaders in the Richmond area and probably within the United States, Mike Carroll of Focus Business, a member of the Sandler family. And Mike's here to talk about our favorite topic of all, because we decided to bring it back for an encore, and that is sales compensation. Mike, good seeing you, man. Good morning, Bill. All right, let's have some fun. Let's yeah. let's let's hammer on those sales. Yeah, guys. you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, I know you got uh, a depth of, of experience around sales comps, uh, and this has been an interesting. It, it's really been interesting, interesting to prepare uh, mm-hmm. for all the shows, but especially when I looked at compensation because it really took me back uh of course i've been with i've been doing sandler training there for 14 years but the 20 years before that i was in distribution right and of course you know in the earlier shows we we talked about knowing what your sales model looks like uh, whether it's transactional you know whether it's consultative so forth so on uh but the uh what you, what do you that's have? Twitter. I'm showing you Twitter. You're on Twitter. Oh, that's great. You're on LinkedIn. That's You're great. on Facebook. You're everywhere. <laughs> I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere. <laughs> uh, but the the thing, I, it took me back, uh, and I really need to do a little bit of a shout-out for a couple folks that helped me build the business. I had lots of folks that helped me build, build uh, right. Micromagnetic. Uh, but when I was preparing for this, uh, I was going back, and I read articles. Actually, it was an article by one of IBM, uh, IBM's companies, uh, and it was written last year, 2013. And the things that they were talking about, we were actually doing them 25 years ago. And it was simply because I had a, my CFO was a seasoned gentleman who came to Richmond with Figgy International, which you remember. I, I remember Figgy. Very high-powered. Yeah. This guy was a very high-powered CFO. He just... I was so fortunate. He came in as a consultant. Uh, then I hired him as a CFO uh, simply because he didn't want to remove his family again. He mm-hmm. decided when Figgy left Richmond, went back yeah. to Cleveland. So long story short, what incredible talent I had. And then I had a, a, a young kid out of UVA who was a IS, uh, information systems, had a degree, really, really sharp. So we when we put our comp plans together, it was like um, – they could do anything I asked them to do. This kid could program, which was important oh, wow. you know, in, in, those, in, yeah. in those days. So when we go back and we look, um, 
at why is the, the the comp plan so essential, so important to the health of a business? And there's lots of those. I know you always say, let's answer the question, why is it important? Well, yeah. it's important because how are you paying your salespeople, who are typically the highest paid folks in your company, right. as a rule? Now, again, let me say this. There's no perfect sales comp plan. But as a business owner, uh, you have certainly got to be uh, doing the research. Get folks like Linda Heath that can really detail the numbers and ask you some some very hard questions about Mm -hmm. how you're paying your people. Right. You know, what are you benchmarking to? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of information out there. But what I really – the the important aspect is, is what is it going to do to our business from a profitability standpoint? Right. Your comp plan will drive that. Right. And and then, again, on the other end, because what you'll see – and companies should be, and let me say this, you should be assessing your comp plan at least once a year. But in today's market, you better be monitoring it all the time. I would say quarterly, you yeah. sit down and take a half a day and go, am I getting, what am I buying? I guess the best way of saying it, because you and I, what you and I share is the same view is all sales compensation systems work. You may not like what you bought, right? but it's working. Because you didn't design it well, and you're paying for a set of behaviors that you look at going, well, that's weird. Well, you know who's weird? You are, because you're the one who signed off on this. So, Well, and that's – so when you look at it, you've always got to be balancing it. Is it – are we getting the results? Are we helping the company be more successful, more profitable? And sometimes you get them out – when you get that out of balance, is the company's really knocking it out of the park – all of a sudden, maybe your salespeople have been demotivated, okay? Yep. So you start to lose good people. Uh, and it goes the other way. All of a sudden, salespeople are making big money, and a, and a company is suffering as far as its profitability. Right. So that's why it's so critically important. Keep good people. Get the results we want. Now, how do we go about doing it? And there's a lot of variables that come into play. I mean, the benefits of that is you keep good people. Right. You keep people motivated, uh, and you keep the company out on the leading edge. Right. I mean, because what you I thought you were going in the direction is <clears throat> you always want to be looking at your comp plan for your salespeople. And I want to say this, Bill. I want to get off on a tangent. But there's lots of other areas within a company that oftentimes can be um, – incentives can be there based on performance. Right. In fact, I have to believe that if we treated everybody in the company like salespeople and had that compensation mindset, we could radically change business. Yeah, yeah. I, and I realize, and, and this is what I really enjoy, and, and I guess I'm convicted to try to get all the variables into play that when you look at something like you're saying, I mean, in recognizing that some people – well, everybody's motivated typically with different, right? For, for, with different uh, motivators. Mm-hmm. So we got to look at that, and we got to know our people. In fact, in in some of the research, I read something that was really interesting. Is to try to drive, um, try to drive the compound down to the individual. Okay. Yep. And I really, I think, uh, I. I, I you gotta watch me. I get off on these tangents because here, but that's 
that's one of the big things in leadership and management today is is you have to manage down to the individual. No longer can you just say because you're in a position that people are going to do what you ask them to do. You've got to know how to communicate right uh, down to the individual. Let me tell you, it is what I do the four days a week now that I'm in in Southwest Virginia, almost said where I was, running this company. That is what I do daily. Yeah, yeah. It's all I, Not all I do, but pretty close. Sure. And I think that it's what, what I was reading about is that if you – if you can drive down your comp- a variable compensation plan to performance, you look at every area of a company that it makes sense. Now, here's, the, here's when we talk about how we do it. Here's the, here's the challenge, Bill, and you know this. We've got to have the right technology you know, to be able to track the information. Oh, absolutely. And that's... I think that's what really burdens a lot of folks. And that's when I go back and talk about my guys, Lee Moore and Al Ventola, the two guys that were, they could really put all kinds of things together. And so then we, we began to determine what are the particular aspects of a sale that would, would drive the comp plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we did it. We did it by uh, percentage of gross profit. Right. We did it by order size. Right. We did it by product group. Yep. And I, and I bet you you also did it on promotions. Oh, absolutely. That yeah. was one of the add-off incentives. Right. You know, and, 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 you know, in the era that I was involved in the computer-related products, uh, you had new products coming out all the time. Uh-huh. And one of, one of my uh, common denominators for paying salespeople and another thing, let me say this. I mean, man, we are all over the place here, but um, you got when you roll a program out, and you have to have a continuous program to educate your salespeople. Absolutely. Okay? In other words, when we would bring a new 3M or IBM bring a new product out, we knew that to get that product into the into the marketplace, our salespeople had to be um, more involved. In other words, they typically would have to learn about the new product, learn about what problems, issues, what value it brought to the customer. And they had to go seek out, oftentimes, different decision makers. Right. So, of course, incentivize them. Hey, mm-hmm. you sell this product, just what you're saying. Pay, you get paid more for this. Yep. But I used to always remind them, hey, we're going to pay you more for this, folks, because we know you're gonna, it's going to take more time. You're going to have to prep more. Right. You're going to have to probably make some... Um, Get get some introductions into different areas, and of course, some of them weren't comfortable with that. I mean, no, no. In fact, I, and I know you and I have talked about a lot um, is this issue of do you pay for results or do you pay for activities? And sometimes the best approach is some something that's blended. Well, I totally agree. And you know, I've seen the you pay for act. I've actually seen companies that were paying for activities. You know, that were preceding the, the sale. Right. In other words, if you're going to, I've seen companies pay on number of presentations. Yep. Have I, you ever seen that? I worked in an e-learning firm uh, back at the turn of the of this century. And for a couple of years, it, it went down. But one of the things we did on sales side is uh, we paid for meetings. We paid our, our sales okay. force to get a meeting. And the winner got paid that day in cash. Wow. 
Wow. We had people competing to, to get us interviews or meetings, and that's all I needed because all I wanted was you get me in the door to the right account, and we got business. Right. And, and I th- see, I think what happens when you do things like that, well, you really kind of maybe increase the risk of, right. of, of are we, we going to get the reward, right? Right. What it makes you do is have a very good qualification process to determine who I'm going right. to pay you for. Right. And the other thing it did is it was getting toward the end of the day and somebody's going, do I make two or three more calls today? Or do I take the last 15 minutes and kind of just slide out? Right. We had people who were working past the end of the day to get one more call in. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing I must, I want to say, I don't know how much time we got here, but I, I want to, the, when you put a program together, mm-hmm. a, a comp plan, um, Again, it, the mechanics have got to be relatively simple. You know the old, you know the old military statement: keep it simple, stupid. Right. right. Well, if the salesperson's got to take out a calculator to figure out what they're going to be paid, it's not working. That's right. Because the good ones do it in their head; they know exactly, exactly how much they were supposed to be making. So you know, I think that that's um, that's really when you start to put it, uh, put a plan together. And let's go back from the very top to kind of summarize this thing. You know, you start out as a, as a if you're a business owner, you want to look at your your corporate goals and objectives. Once those are decided, that filters down into the various other functional areas of your company, whether it's production, whether it's, uh, you know, warehousing, wherever. But then it, it also functions down into the sales. Our sales uh, – our sales <clears> – <throat> Uh, as we get those corporate objectives, our sales strategies have got to support, right? Okay, achieving the corporate goals and objectives. So we right. got to get those aligned, right? Right, and we've talked about that. But I think that again, when you look at your comp plan, that's what you're you're you've got to stay in touch with, mm-hmm. you know, so that we're and once we have gotten um, we've got those aligned. And here's what, I mean, this is, I, I was talking to a guy yesterday, <laughs> acquisition. So you, when, when you, when there's an acquisition or a merger, or maybe you just are changing your corporate strategy because of market trends, you've got to go back and look at your compensation plan. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. That, that's why I said quarterly ought to be your review because you now we're talking to small businesses when I'm talking major corporations. But one thing I'd love to put in your head, if I could, if you could take one thing from me, is qu- plan quarterly. I agree. Oh, absolutely. And then do this whole thing. When I was working at AOL, I'm going back now to the late 90s, the strategic planning cycle at AOL was 100 days because the market was so unstable right. that after 100 days, whatever they planned was wrong. Sure. And so if you looked at your business every quarter to say, how much money do we need to make? What are the products that we need to get out the door? Where's the greatest margin? What's the greatest need with our clients? Then you say to yourself, now, how do I comp my sales force to make that happen? I would do it quarterly. Sure. And I totally agree. I think in, in, because of what you just said, I mean, the, the, the business uh, environment is moving so quickly right. that we've got to stay in touch with that. But the, again, the mechanics, uh, once you uh, look at what's, what you've been doing, look at what you need to do going forward, then you've got to 
come up with how you're going to formulate. And just what you were saying, make it transparent uh-huh. so that the salespeople know how everything's calculated, understand what the variables are that are going in there. I mean, what we would typically do is, is uh, we would have a sliding scale based on percentage of gross product because we had thousands of items. So we created a price book. I mean, we, yeah. that was one way we could control so that salespeople weren't belaboring how they were going to price things. And they knew the higher the gross profit, the higher percentage of the gross profit they got paid, the higher right. percentage of the gross profit. And then they were also very – that's why I think that it's so important to, to educate your salespeople, to let them – you when I say educate them, educate them in – and what it takes to run a business. And once they get on board, yep. they're with you. I mean, yep. they realize, hey, and if you're an added value company where competition is maybe not inventorying the product locally, okay, which means, you know, they've got to ship it from afar, then you've got to charge more because you've got the cost of inventorying and, right. and your own delivery system and, and all those different things. Your salespeople need to totally understand that because if they don't, number one, they're not going to do a very good job of selling the value. Right. But your comp plan's got to drive that. Exactly, because otherwise what salespeople will do, not to pick on all salespeople, but we know them real well because we are them, is they'll go into cutting the price to make the sale. And somehow what we got to do is we got to make that um, harmful in their comp- in their comp package Absolutely. that if you're reducing price to get business, you're taking money out of your pocket. Now, some days that may make sense, but as a general rule, it doesn't make much sense. Well, and and that's that is the case. I mean, that you've got to. And I think the idea is you continue to remind them. I mean, one of the things that I used to say to my salespeople. As the market became more and more competitive, there were more and more people that were really delivering a lot of the same services that you know, that we were. Um, and they'd say, look, we're getting beat up here. And I'd say, well, okay, where where are we? You know, what, where, how far are we out uh-huh. of the game? Oh, we're maybe 5%. So you know what I used to say to them, don't you? You're not worth 5%? You... You're not yeah. bringing value? Yeah. Oh, that would get them pumped. Well, because and we've talked about this, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. whole thing, because if you think about just kind of summarizing what you and I have hit around for now for really two seasons is they are market intelligence for not only us but for the customer that they serve. So maybe we pay a little bit yeah. for them doing research. We know we're going to pay for calls. We know that we're going to pay for, for touches. And so any other activity areas you think, Probably uh, um, our our listeners need to consider if they were going to put together a comp plan on activities before we move the results. Well, and I, I think that's I – and mean, you hit most of them. I mean, again, that's where you've really got to tweak it to your business. Right. And that I really think if you step back, and I think everybody knows this, but I don't know – well, I know a lot of business owners, when I ask them – what is your strategy? What is your sales strategy to go to market? Which means, tell me the activities and behaviors that you want your people to do. Tell me why they're doing them, uh-huh. okay? 
and tell me how they're doing them. In other words, what are the techniques? So it varies, but I think you covered them all, whether it's, hey, being involved in networking. If you're, being, right. if you're not out there involved in associations and getting to know people, and if you're not comfortable doing that, go on the Internet and read about it or give me a call. Yeah, no, give I, you a call is the right answer. Well, it is. But, but my point is I was not comfortable when I first started networking. No. But I can certainly – I can take anybody past that now because I've uh-huh. done it myself. But there's – you know, Bill, the other thing I think is important here, just when you double back and look at forecasting and how important that is. Yeah. How important sales compensation is. Both of them are absolutely dictating that you have good technology to track the information that you need in order – to be accurate with both your forecasting right. and your comp plan. And I think that it's more affordable than some people think. Oh, no, it, 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 very, it very much is affordable. What, was, what would be your recommendation on this area? Well, I think from a compensation standpoint, I mean, it's usually basic. I mean, you, you got all the combinations. I don't like you got straight salary. You got straight commission, which I don't like straight commission. I don't like straight. But they both have strengths. And we so, but once I've got that lined up, I got to go to Ben Meredith or somebody on that. Yeah, I I was just going to say I I I was thinking about Ben right there because he's probably the foremost expert in this area on the whole thing about uh, CRM and well customer relationship management and how to get a package that actually does everything it's supposed to do. See, I'm not, I've always, well, I was spoiled. I told you that I had, I had these guys in my business. And I mean, even today, when it comes to looking for the right kind of software to track and easy, as far as easy of data entry and stuff, the easy part of data entry, I go to somebody like Ben or, and Ben knows all those, I mean, he knows all the, uh, I'm not going to say geeks, but he knows all the software guys and he can say, if you want to look at a comp plan, you know, go to whatever. Yeah. But it's out there. Uh, and maybe, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, that are business owners that probably can develop it themselves. Yeah, I, I would say to everybody, it's B&B Consulting Services. If you yeah. just, if you go ahead and, and uh, search engine that and you'll find Ben. And Ben, uh, and I think we talked about this before, is that my first uh, CRM package was 80-20, which was DOS based. Yeah. This is in the middle eighties and Ben actually did installs on eighty twenty. Yeah. It was an excellent package. Somebody bought him, I think uh oh uh, what what's one of the big companies at Say Jones? Uh, oh uh, CRM Act. Company. Yeah, Act. Act bought out eighty twenty. The whole Act system is really a function of eighty twenty. And then they also had a CRM system in there too. Oh yeah, I mean it and, and it was an eighty twenties thing was the whole deal was spot the twenty percent where you're getting making all your money, making all your contacts, yeah. and sell there. Sure. You know, it was a really interesting concept. But I think that all the things that I've talked about here and all the variables you need to track, as long as you've got a method to get the, the, the data entered, which that is, a, that is still a struggle that sales teams are, are dealing with. But right. I'm telling you, we got to get there. We need to have the information we need to know our metrics, and I am one that struggle with it as hard as anybody. Well, you know, maybe what we'll do is maybe I'll bring in uh, Ben next week into the studio, 
and we'll talk about the automation piece because I've been looking at a couple software packages where on a smartphone, the Salesforce can do their paperwork because the only way I've been able to get them to use the CRMs is not pay them if I don't have the data that I need because I can't calculate their checks. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Mike, how do people get in touch with you? Well, of course, go to the go to the uh, website here at, at, at richmondbizlive.com. Uh, my website is focusbusiness.sandler, S-A-N-D-L-E-R, dot com. Um, you can certainly give me a call at uh, 804-337-2898. It's my cell. Um, and, I, again, go to our, you go to our website. You look at sales compensation plans. Just, just Google it. Yeah, you got plenty. But the yeah. deal is, it ain't what you know; it's what you get applied. That's right, and that's what we really help folks. With. And remember, all sales comp plans work. You just may not like what you get. That's right, Mike. Thanks a lot. Great to be here. We'll be Great. back. Hello, I'm William Eastman. You know me as the executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. In my other role as managing partner of the Growth Works, I spend time helping business owners get their companies on track and paying them back for years of investment and sacrifice. However, before I can make the necessary changes, you must answer the following question. Where are you? In our research, we have identified three types of small business, 80% that are just getting by, 15% who are doing okay but wondering what's next, and then there's the 5% who dominate a market or a niche, and what they're wondering is, how do I break out? So I pose the question to you, where are you? If you want to understand this question and the significance of the answer better, go to our membership site, growthworks.net, and download our paper on where are you. Learn how to move from the 80% to the 15 and from the 15 to the 5%. This level of success and profitability is within your reach. Gain the advantage over your competitors by downloading it today. And we're back. This is WLE News Talk 990. The show is Richmond Biz Live. And uh, I am Bill or William Eastman. I like William for my correspondence, but I've been known as Bill. At least uh, that's the, the name I can use on the air. I've been known by other names. I'm the managing partner of the Growth Works, which is a business growth company that works predominantly in taking research on how companies become successful and turns that into products that you as a business owner, you can use. So just kind of envision this. We spent um, a number of years and a lot of money finding out how people went from zero to a billion bucks out of their cigar box. I'm talking about not going out and getting loans. I'm talking about not going in to playing the game at uh, Silicon Valley. I'm talking about from sales, growing your company. And that's what we do. That's in, if you go to our website, richmondbizlive.com, what you can do is you can see some of those materials that will take you over to, to my membership site where you can join and get a lot of free stuff. Now, today, oh, by the way, you want to join me on the phone here? 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. All right, my section today is on service, and I've got a couple of quickies for you. Um, two things that I had scheduled to talk about was the, the role of advertising and sales and how do you make sales and marketing collaborate. Uh, and in a small business, they're, they're the same guy, but I want to talk about that anyway. And then minimize management surprises. I'm going to take a more global approach to this than just from the area of service, okay? So the issue of advertising is that if you're going to start a campaign, this may sound like common sense, but I can assure you it is a not common practice, is that 
the people that are engaged in sales many times don't find out about a sales campaign until a customer calls or they call on a customer and a customer says, well, here I, you got the special on dot, dot, dot. And you're like, you know, if you're really good, you go, oh, yeah, that thing. And if you're not really good, you're going, huh? And so what you need to do here is that I think there's two pieces of this. One is I would never allow, I would never allow any type of advertising being developed around any campaign that did not have the sales force involved with it because they're in front of the customer and it's a great pilot for what you want to do because number one is that they, they can listen to the theme. All campaigns have a theme. And so, and the way that we develop marketing campaigns here is that we say, okay, we want to develop around three separate themes. So that means we're going to run three separate campaigns. Then what are the key words? What are the keywords? And I'm using keywords not only in a general sense, but I'm also using keywords in the, in the um, internet sense. What are the specific keywords we want to hit on? So whether it's a, somebody finds it if they do a search, but also the customer, it, 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 their ears will attend to it. And then the third thing I want to check is when they hear all of this and they see it, how will it affect their perception of the brand? Is it adverse or is it positive? Now, the issue of notification of advertising, that's the other issue here for me is that not only have I participated in it, but I know what the dates are because one of the things I want to do is that I want to schedule my customer touches around the campaign. I want to make sure that if we're going to go out this week with X, that I start talking to my customers because it's a great opportunity to call them up because it's an excuse to call them and say, hey, I bet you didn't hear yet, but I'm going to give you advance notice. There's something we're doing and give them that information. And so that will help the campaign work much better. Uh, so uh, pretty much common sense, but I'd tell you what, if it was common practice, I wouldn't have talked about it. Now, the other part of this is on management surprises. And so I've talked about decision-making in the past. One of the things we found when we were building the Raving Fans package back about uh, almost 20 years ago now was that one of the hindrances to effective customer service was that management was constantly surprising people. And what I mean by surprising is that they would change their mind on this. They changed their mind on that. There was no consistency. Well, if there's no consistency, it's pretty difficult to uh, give the customer kind of consistently good service. And so what we, what we talked about in the past was management having a decision process that makes sense, one. Two, it is common. In other words, it's common across management. It's not each manager makes decisions in their own idiosyncratic faction, uh, um, methodology. It's more of a, here's the process that we use. And number three, do I share it with the people that work for me? Because what do I want them to do when they're making decisions? I want them to begin to go, okay, the way I want to approach this is X, Y, Z. And so really the three things to hear on, on a, a process is uh, why are we paying attention to it? In other words, something has occurred that's brought this to our attention. That may be a key indicator of something. Number two is, why is it important? We paid attention to it. Why are we paying more attention to it? And then number three, what's the root cause? And I hit this hard on management decision-making about three or four shows back when I said, you look at methods, you know, how we do stuff, people or manpower, you look at materials, and you look at machinery, the four M's to say, uh, is any one of these a potential cause? And you develop, you develop that. Now, my big thing here is that as a manager, if you're going to make decisions and announce them, share with people how the decisions were made. 
You're not explaining to them to sell them, though that is what you are doing. In this particular case, you're doing it because I want them to see the logic of what we're doing because this is exactly what I want them to replicate. And it's a great training opportunity to help them. And one of the great service companies out there is Nordstrom's. And Nordstrom's uses this process to train people on how to provide great service because if the salesperson makes a mistake on something, they'll go, take me through the thought process that you use to make that decision. And as they hear it, they say, okay, we're going to support that. But next time, think about this, this, and this. And what will happen is very quickly is that that person on the front line will make the right decision. And so that is really what's critical here is teaching people the thought process. So the last two things I'm going to leave you with is my lessons from this week. We had, a, we had an incredible week in southwest Virginia other than uh, yesterday when I was in Richmond getting ready for the show. And we had a major set of crises, which we'll probably talk about at some point. But here's my management um, lessons to all my, my colleagues, my business owners out there. If there's two things that you would do that change, will change the world, here it is. Number one, have a common vision. Create clarity of purpose in the organization or where you're trying to drive the damn thing, number one. Number two is make sure that everything that you do is around aligning people, aligning people to get it done so that they make decisions not to do things that are not productive toward the end. You do those two things. You have to make no structural changes. You don't have to change any processes. You don't have to change anything on your finance. Clarity of purpose and alignment around that purpose, and you will make incredible change within your company. So with that, thank you for today's show. Um, next week will be our last show on uh, uh, of this season on the 15 percenters. Then we're going to move over to the five, and I will be talking about that next week. So to everybody, wealth and prosperity, and we'll be seeing you next Saturday. Thanks. is Richmond's home for Money Talk with Bob Brinker. Sundays at 5 on WLEE Richmond, 